Welcome to the Sunday, March 5th edition of the PFF Forecast. We have a great show. The combine is over. So that means we're going to get all the takes and all of the line movement on draft props, assess them. Got a couple that each of us are going to bet probably now and, and be monitoring as we go through free agency. So with the draft and the combine takeaways and then division odds are out. So we're going to take a look at each of the division odds, uh, each of the divisions, all the odds there. Pick our favorites uh, that we would bet right now. Arjun, Brad, myself. It's going to be a great show. Let's rock. survived Indy. Um, Arjun, you weren't here on Wednesday. I did tell my story uh, about the, um, uh, from the combine. Do you guys have any like incredible stories? Do you guys almost get in a fight? Did you guys uh, hear any salacious rumors? What's, what's the word? You go first, Arjun. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I didn't have any uh, crazy stories. It was just a crazy experience. I don't think I was, I stayed out late enough to, to see any crazy stories. Um, but I mean, I, I took your guys' advice. Um, went to prime went to almo so got to experience both of those things and got to say that was like one of the coolest you know kind of just places to be at i've ever been in my life with all the influential people that are there from the nfl so really enjoyed that but no i didn't have any crazy stories like uh, you guys have had it was pretty tame george at least what i experienced someone who maybe should uh should not have but did stay at at, uh prime until the wee hours uh at least one or two of the nights um nothing crazy not nothing uh Nothing too funny. I, um, you know, it was classic. Like you're ordering a beer. It's like a normal, you feel like you're in a normal bar setting. And then you turn to your right and Sean Payton's just also ordering a Bud Light. And you just like kind of, you like quickly realize where you're at. And then kind of just like, eh, it's kind of normal. I like guess that's just kind of the vibe. Uh, but not nothing over the top. Do you, one of the best things to do, at least what I used to do, is you'd see like a head coach. And I remember I, I did this with Kyle Shanahan. So Kyle Shanahan's like coming down at, uh, uh, escalator at the JW and I'm going up. I think it was, it was Eric and myself or someone else. And I just said, Hey Kyle, what's up? And he like pretended the, the funny thing is people pretending like, you know, people, right. So for a coach, it's just way easier to just pretend, you know, they know you. It's like, Oh yeah. What's, what's up, man. How's it going? Um, but you, that's like one of the few places you can do that. Like in most situations you see like an NFL head coach, you're like, Hey, what's up? You know, they're like, just get out of my face, please. But in Indy, there's like this weird thing where it's like, everyone that's there is like a like you just respect the amount of that they love football. Like for example, Arjun not going to spring break and instead going to Indianapolis and you just have to respect it. It doesn't matter who the person is. Like you just kind of respect it. I feel like that's the, that's the indie vibe. No, hundred percent. Like you said, I, I did have a couple of those actually not trying to sound cool for the first time, in both directions where someone said, Hey, to me. And I was like, I have no idea what this no person idea. is, but you have to play it off. I was like, yeah, what's up, man? Respect. Good to see you. Like, yeah, hope things are going well. Uh, but yeah, you also get the reverse and you walk away and you're like, that guy has no idea who I am. And that probably happens a bit more often uh, than the reverse. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I didn't probably have it as much as Brad, but there were people who like followed me on Twitter who came up and said like, Hey, like, are you this, like this guy from Twitter and ended up turning into some fun conversations. The, uh, the big Starbucks on the second floor of the JW, yep. the last day I was there, I was actually just completely directly standing behind John Schneider. Uh, just said, I, and like George said, I just said, Hey John, what's up? 
Um, just want to introduce myself. It was awesome. like, I only noticed it right before he was about to order. So I didn't get to have like a full-fledged conversation, but it was cool. I mean, you just get to see all these head coaches and GMs walking around. And I, I tried not to like be a fanboy too much and just like stare at them. But it was like kind of hard to to not just like walk watch them walk by given that like we've, or at least I've followed these guys for a very long time. Did you guys uh, participate in the the workout sessions with the JW Marriott? I did not. I heard of some very, very poor times from the PFF folks. Uh, yeah, but no, I, I did not partake personally. I was trying to, you know, trying to network okay. and do some things, trying to make the company some money, as Chris loves to tell yeah. me when I see him, uh, not not run the 40-yard dash. Well, the, and one of the interesting things is because everyone says the JW, I've told this, these stories a bunch too, when you go into the gym at the JW, yeah, everyone's just working out there. So you get a you get a sense of like which, you know, which personnel people really like care. Like I've seen like Roger Goodell gets in there, um, Belichick and Schefter get in there. Um, I, I think it was McDermott that is like, I think by far the best athlete of uh, of all the uh, the coaches and uh, and GMs. He was in there. Just, you could tell. Like was, most people get on there like on the you know treadmill or the stairmaster or whatever, reading a book. And McDermott's out there. There's no technology, no books. Um, just getting after it. Um, but uh, we're back now, and the combine officially now over. I think, you know, the big, the two big storylines and, and that at least come to mind for me are Jalen Carter stuff. And we talked about that a little bit on Wednesday, Brad. And it's interesting. I think when we talked about it on Wednesday, we felt like it was a big deal. His, his odds to be the number one overall pick were plummeting. Um, it seems like that has tamed a little bit. And then the second thing on kind of the positive side has just been what Anthony Richardson did. And I think it'll be very interesting to see his odds for the number one pick have just skyrocketed uh, in the other direction. And those I think are the two big kind of big storylines, but let me start with you, Brad. And maybe if you want to touch on the Jalen Carter stuff a little bit, like where do you think that shakes out? And are there other big takeaways that we need to be aware of? Yeah. So when we were talking about it, it was really, really fresh. Uh, it turns out that he flew back to Georgia, dealt with it and came right back to the combine, still went to a bunch of interviews. Uh, I don't think he tested. I don't think he was planning to regardless um, but yeah, I, I think, look, I, I, you know, as this lawyer is not going to speculate on everything that happened there and what goes down, but hypothetically, if it stays as two misdemeanor charges and nothing else changes beyond that, um, I don't think he's going to go number one overall anymore, but I think he will definitely still go pretty high if, if that's all it comes to be. I want to touch on the other story though, where we do this every year and this ties me into my first bet uh, of, of a show of a lot of bets sprinkled in. So look, I think we all knew Anthony Richardson was a freak athlete that was going to come to this event and test off the charts. I also think just him like up on the podium, how he measured, like he's a big dude, 244 pounds and running the four, 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 doing all those things he did at the same time. I'm now betting the, the reaction. I, I'm now going up against it. Um, there's a particular head to head that I really like, which is you can get Will Levis at two to one odds to be drafted before Anthony Richardson. Now, and for whatever reason, Levis has been the opposite this week. His, his uh, odds go number one overall are now plus 1,500 with Richardson at plus 300. Those were probably close to the inverse before this week. Um, and look, it's the combine. It's testing in, in shorts. Um, Levis threw this week. I thought he looked, looked, looked pretty good. His podium, he was super confident and all those things. Um, so, yeah, so I like the head-to-head -head aspect. Not even betting on number one overall. But Levis to go ahead of him at two-to-one odds I think is a good bet. Yeah. Um, in terms of what I kind of heard and have been looking at. So 
I, I do think the Bears are committed to fields. Um, it doesn't really sound like they're looking to move on from him. I feel like that is common knowledge, but for, just from like hearing some of the what people were talking about, it does seem like he will be moved or he'll be part of the Bears roster, which does lead me to believe the Bears honestly are probably going to stick at one. And I think it is a, like a reaction to the Jalen Carter news. So again, based on the consensus big board, it does seem like Jalen Carter and Will Anderson are the two blue chip non-quarterback prospects. Now it's kind of a binary thing where if the bear, like do the bears have Carter on their big board or do they not? Like, do they care this much about the arrest or do they not? That impacts what they and how they trade. I think if they go from one to four and Jalen Carter's not on your big board, you're probably ending up with a non-Will Anderson player at four, which is that great value, right? Like that's the thing to consider. And so if you don't want to lose out on one of those top non-QB prospects, you either have to sit, sit and draft at one, or you have to trade, like you're, you're either trade from one to four and four to nine, or you trade from one to nine, because the value you're getting at pick four for a non-QB is going to be less than the value you get from a uh, non-QB at pick nine. That's what, you know, Timo Riske and his surplus values uh, article talked about. So I do think, in my opinion, the Bears are probably going to stick and pick at one. And wow. I don't really have a great, lean on if it's going to be Carter or Anderson, but um, there are some good odds for, you know, someone taking not Bryce Young at, at number one, which I think will be the eventual outcome. I will just jump in too that even if, uh, you know, let's say I don't think they're going to stay at one. I think the potential of trading to seven, eight, nine, 11, that being, you know, Raiders, Falcons, a Panthers, a, a Titans, like all those things are way more likely now, in my opinion, uh, before mm -hmm. like you said four was a safe haven. Now four is not a safe haven. So maybe you go to two. Uh, if you just convince the Texans, they have to move up with you. Or you say, let's just get as many picks as humanly possible because we see no difference between, like you said, non will Anderson, that whole bucket is a bunch of players we like. Um, and, and so I think all those options are more on the table. It's interesting, though, because my I think the reaction to have here is that the quarterbacks that you heard about Richardson and uh, Stroud, CJ Stroud, you know, according to I think Daniel Jeremiah tweeted this out, it was the best one of the best throwing sessions that he had seen at, at the combine. Um, and. You know, I think of all the, a lot of people that are in draft Twitter. Daniel Jeremiah is one that I would listen to <laughs> generally because he talks to everyone. I mean, he and he was on the um, I was watching it uh, today at the end and Tom Telesco just texted him live on air. So, like, I don't think he's giving away what he's talking to GMs about, but the guy definitely knows what he's talking about. So I think that carries some weight. So you hear Richardson and Stroud, both those guys have gone up. You didn't hear anything about Bryce Young, except for the fact that he somehow weighed over 200 pounds <laughs> and that he's 5'10". So, you know, I don't think there was anything that Bryce Young could have done aside from growing two inches, but it seems it's weird to me that at least on DraftKings, he's minus 200, Richardson is, is three to one and Stroud is plus 450. It seems to me like if there was a play here, it would be fading a little bit of the Bryce Young news and maybe taking a flyer on a guy like Stroud to go one overall, but that the, the fact that Stroud and Richardson have now moved up would make me think that a team is more likely to trade up because they have a guy that they think is that they really like and that they need to get. I, Brad, am I misreading that? Like that was my take is that now a trade is more likely. Do you kind of agree with Arjun that maybe the, a trade is now less likely? 
I, I still think it's very possible. I think a lot of those teams also, like we talked about, are going to fall in love with one guy. They're not going to be comfortable just getting a guy. So like you're saying, with now, with Stroud moving up the board, with Richardson obviously uh, intriguing a lot of teams. I also think Seattle at five is a team that people are not talking about enough. I should have mentioned them as well. I mean, there is no sense of urgency to get a deal done with Gino. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know the talks are not very advanced there or the value is not super strong, maybe compared to what we were guessing. Uh, it's a, a little hint about my updated uh, free agency projections coming out this week. Uh, his number is going to come down there decently, uh, a decent amount. Um, so I think Stroud is an interesting one. I think him at plus 450 is very intriguing to me. I will say another thing that I had multiple conversations with this week, though, was I actually had a personnel guy tell me, you guys are so conditioned to want to get inside our heads that you're now bringing up Bryce Young's size of this huge issue. And a lot of teams don't actually think it's an issue, but you guys are saying it because you're used to us like thinking that way and talking about those things. It's like, hmm. he's like, you're almost projecting onto us. Uh, and, I, and I mentioned that comment to multiple other personnel guys. And they were like, yeah, I think I agree with that. Like, I think he still is a lot of teams QB one and they didn't really care how much you weigh and all those things. But like you he's like, I get why the media quote unquote is going there because you know, there, there's been those things in the past. Um, but a lot of them said, look, his tape is just better than, than the rest of these guys, mm-hmm. plain and simple. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I think the tape piece fit is certainly true. And uh, Mike, Renner, who's going to, he's going to have Bryce Young number one on the big board, you know, tomorrow when it comes out again, and no one should be surprised by that. Um, you know, I, I think he, he tweeted out some clips from, uh, from his game against Georgia, where it was like, look, a, a guy was 5'10", put up this stat line against the best defense that we've seen in college football. You know, like it was a 430 yards, whatever it was, he, and he mm-hmm. was insane. Um, and, and that's, that's a fact, right? He didn't like shrink between then and now. Um, you know, the 200 pounds, I don't think really, really matters a ton. Um, so Will Anderson's 12 to one, Jalen Carter's 51. This is on DraftKings. Are you taking a flyer on both those guys, Arjun? Um, I don't know. I, it's, I do want to wait until free agency starts. I don't, I think a trade will likely happen after free agency begins, if anything. And like, I, I think there is some value in seeing how the bears address you know, their free agent uh, pool, uh, if they go and kind of um, attack the interior defensive line in market. I know the Bears were kind of disappointed that Duran Payne wasn't, you know, made available to them and you got franchise tags. So who knows if they even go after like a three tech like Draymond Jones or, or Javon Hargrave and they just instead draft Jalen Carter at number one. I think if they don't address the interior defensive line position in free agency, it makes Carter going number one overall all the more likely. So I would probably bet after that. But as of right now, I don't know if there's been any major separation to where I'm going to take a flyer on any of the non-quarterbacks just yet. I will say real quick, Will Anderson coming in. So I've been mentioning before his size. Our website had my 243. I'm guessing our website has that from like underclassmen listings on, mm-hmm. the, on the college websites. He came in 10 pounds heavier at 253 and still tested very, very well. Um, Tyree Wilson did, I mean, came in at 271, which actually was lighter than what we had. Uh, but his wingspan is also a, a, an inch shorter than Giannis Antetokounmpo, which is just the most preposterous <laughs> takeaway of the week. Uh, but anyway, I mean, it does help a little bit. We're like, he's not, if he came in at like, you know, Nolan Smith size, the Bears are not drafting a 238-pound edge rusher. They're not. But <laughs> but I think 253 with the way he's built is, is probably not a huge concern. That makes sense. Um so the pick number one, just to recap here, Young, this is on DraftKings, Young minus 200. Anthony Richardson is now three to one. What was he like 
hundred to one at one yeah. point. <laughs> um, so you're getting awful value if you're taking uh, him. Uh, CJ Stroud plus four fifty. Will Anderson twelve to one. Will Levis fifteen to one as we mentioned. Then it jumps all the way to fifty to one with Jalen Carter. So is Tyree Wilson. It's interesting. And then you've got Christian Gonzalez who is now like minus two fifty to be first uh, or, or at least to be selected ahead of um, Devon Witherspoon, the other corner out of Illinois. Um, the question that this begs, and I'm curious to, to hear from both of you guys here. So I was doing a ton of mock drafts this weekend, and I think probably now people seeing Anthony Richardson play a little bit, CJ Stroud, all these probably going to be doing a lot more. And what I found myself doing was picking for teams that I think could take a quarterback. And I struggled to find a team outside of, I guess, the Cardinals, but you could, you know, argue that if you wanted to in the top 10 that shouldn't be thinking uh, outside the, inside the top 10. So the Eagles have the 10th pick that shouldn't be looking at, at quarterback here. It, do you think that's an over-exaggeration? I'll start with you, Brad, or is that, Am I on to something? And what does that mean about how crazy the uh, top nine picks could be? I think you're 100% right. We now have on the record officially from Ian Rapport and somebody else. I, you know, I mentioned on the show probably weeks ago, like, no one's talking about Atlanta. No one's talking about Atlanta. He now said on the record, and then another reporter, I forget who, also mentioned Atlanta at eight. But then, yes, dude, Seattle, I mean, it came out today that they, they wouldn't even franchise tag Geno Smith. They can't get a deal done. Wow. They let him test the open market potentially, which makes me think they are, A, offering below the franchise tag value, and B, don't even think anyone is going to compete with that number. Um, and here's the thing. Even if they love him and they want him back, it still suggests, okay, this is a two-year solution. Let's take Anthony Richardson at five and let's figure it out. Um, you know, I think Detroit still makes all the sense in the world. So, yes, long answer short, I, I think every team outside of what you said, maybe Arizona and, and maybe Eagles themselves at 10, every other team. And I think the, the what happens there is that the trade market could be really strong as a result. Yeah, I want to I want to touch on the Detroit point. So, please. When I was in, yeah, when I, when I was in Indy, um I talked to someone who I, I trust a lot about the Rams and they basically said straight up um they think Jalen Ramsey's gone. And like it wasn't even like a percent chance that he's like or they're like they're like Ramsey's mm -hmm. gone. And to me, I think the Lions are a spot where I think he, it makes hmm. the most sense. They have kind of a need to get an alpha cornerback one. I don't necessarily know if Ramsey fits in their scheme. Aaron Glenn loves to play a lot of press man. I think Ramsey is better suited to be his own corner, but they have an entire offseason to kind of build a defense around him. Um, Brad Holmes was part of the Rams staff when they traded for Ramsey in LA the first time. And why I'm saying this is because if they do trade for Ramsey, you know, say it might cost them pick 18 or a couple day two picks. It does make cornerback to the, to the lines at pick six, uh, all the less likely, which does lead me to believe, I think they probably address quarterback at six and Brad Holmes went on record at the combine saying they want to get a quarterback to develop. If you're, going to take a quarterback you have to take him at six like you're not going to find one at 18 right because it's assuming that all four of the quarterbacks are going to be gone before 18 and if you're taking a day two or round two round three guy like tanner mckee or i don't know like dorian thompson robin robinson then you're he's not going to be someone you're going to develop in one year right and then you need a, a guy who's going to develop in one year that when ben johnson leaves and you can cut jared goff for little to no dead money he can step in in year two and be a reliable guy and i think the only way they can do that is at pick six so I would, you know, we haven't got the uh, exact or like the 
the team will pick this position first. I would put money down on Detroit selecting a quarterback, you know, with their first pick based on so all that. I, I like that. Let me jump in real quick. I like that. And, and, and I like that entire thought process there. I will say this. We've heard about Detroit. We've heard about Dallas. There is another team that I think is the leader in the clubhouse to trade for Jalen Ramsey. I can't say who that is, um, but it, it is neither of those teams. It's a, it's an AFC team that, that I think people could connect some dots um, that, that I've heard is the team to watch uh, along with those two potentially to make a move for Jalen Ramsey. If I guess it, will you tell me if I'm right? Yeah, off air. <laughs> off air. Okay. <laughs> um, I will start guessing now on Slack and see if I can uh, <laughs> you can figure it out. Um, so it's interesting. And Arjun, you're in Michigan right now, so I, you know the representative of the uh, the Lions rest- restoration of the roar. I mean, I cannot overemphasize this enough. Lions fans who won their their highlight of the last ten years is winning a meaningless week 18 game in green Bay are acting like they have a super bowl winning team that like they dare not break up. Like the idea of taking a quarterback to them is like, how dare you? We're winning the super bowl with Jared Goff this year. It's like, I don't know. Like what? I mean, I know that, you know, drugs have been a problem, but you know, like, come on, this is ridiculous. Um, That's below the belt. But uh, the, the idea that they wouldn't consider quarterback, this is the thought process that you've got to have. Is Jared Goff the guy that's winning a Super Bowl for the Detroit Lions? I, I don't think the answer is yes. <laughs> okay. And if you think that, then consider the fact that, you know, what, how good of the team he had around him with the Rams and they, they didn't get it done. So if Jared Goff isn't the guy, are you ever picking it better than six again based on what you think about your team? And the answer is no, right? So you either take a guy at six because this is the best you're going to get or you trade that six pick with the team that you think stinks, who has a chance to be in the top five again next year, and you see if you can get Caleb Williams. I, I think those are the two options that you have. And so when you when you think about that, you go, okay, well, there's they're either going to take a quarterback here or they're going to be able to find a, a way to make that trade. That, that's kind of the way I see it. You got to do something with it. It's a premium asset. Like you said, you, you tell yourself, and every team tells themselves this, but they really like, they are thinking in their mind, we're not planning on picking this high for a very long time. Yeah. I, so I, which quarterback do you guys think makes the most sense for the Lions if they were going to take one? I, I think Richardson, because you still sell yourself on golf contracts, not terrible. Um, he won't be ready for a year. We can sit him behind him. And then, you know, if they do want to have kind of a, a run centric offense that can sling it when necessary, can match up with the speed that they have in Jameson Williams on the outside. I mean, that is that is Anthony Richardson. I. I think I think Richardson is is probably the best, but I really like CJ Stroud for them. Yeah. It's funny to me how Stroud is kind of comped as Jared Goff. Uh, and the thing with Jared Goff is he's not a valuable quarterback when he's getting 30 or when he counts 30 million against the cap, but he is a valuable quarterback on a rookie deal. And we saw that, you know, in various years with the Rams having three uh, playoff appearances in four years. So, or three in five years, but you know, three in the four McVay years and all four had at least 500 records or better. Um, so I think Stroud w- would fit in well uh, in that offense. He's a very accurate quarterback, and he's going to have ample time to throw. I think the, the knock on Stroud for me is he does tend to struggle a little bit under pressure, and you know I think he panics a little bit, but playing behind Sewell, Decker, and Ragnow, I think he won't be under pressure all that often. So I, I think Richardson in the long term will give you a higher upside and, and give you a, a better chance to. If you have to pay this guy $50 million, he will, you know, he's 
worth worth all of that. But Stroud, I think, could make a lot of sense to give you more value on that rookie deal. Okay, let's uh, close out here with some uh, some props. I'll lead off here. There's one that I like, um, and uh, Trevor Sigmund put out a great article on PFF.com. Uh, standouts from the quarterback, wide receivers, and uh, tight ends drill. And we've talked a lot about the wide receiver, mark, you know, the class this year being like kind of all over the place. Um, Quentin Johnson, uh, Johnston, uh, tested really well. Um, he's plus 110 to be the first wide receiver selected. My kind of take on this, we've talked about it a little bit, is like probably more variance here in the wide receivers uh, than we might expect. And so you look at a guy like Jalen Hyatt, who's five to one. He ran a 4-4-1. He was super productive in college, won the Blitnikoff Award, had a 40-inch vertical and 11-3 broad jump. So he is in a group, you know, Quentin Johnston, as you pointed out, I think on, on Wednesday, Brad or maybe it was before, he is the biggest guy in this group, but he's not necessarily like a monster. He doesn't really play like that. I think Jalen Hyatt, you know, if, if these guys end up not getting picked in the top, say, 15, I think all bets are off in terms of it's going to be a team kind of fit situation. And a guy like Jalen Hyatt, super productive, super fast. Um, I could see going uh, as the first wide receiver selected. So that's like the one that kind of stuck out to me. Um, on a side note, in terms of first wide receiver selected, uh, Kayshawn Boot, uh, who, uh, what do you run, a four, six, nine or something? It's not 71. But uh, quoted, it, a quote from him is that he still thinks he's wide receiver one. So at least you got to give him credit for having confidence in himself. When the over-unders come out, I'm excited to see where his number lands because if it's within the first two rounds of the draft, I will be putting a <laughs> decent chunk of money on the over immediately. And it's not just because of the combine performance, but anyway, I'll let you jump in there, Russian. Yeah, no, to the to the point about the receiver, first receiver market, I actually bet um and this is something we talked about in the discourse. So make sure to go hop in there because I gave I, I put out a screenshot of JSN or uh Swift and Nijigba over Jordan Addison when it was minus 120 at 7 10 p.m mm-hmm. eastern last night at the time we're recording it is now minus 265 so we have got we have you know it, it's far flown over got a lot of closing line value on there and it you know i, I guess the draft marks are, markets are super liquid and this could eventually come back to even i don't know but i think smith and jigba to me is the best receiver in this class i don't know how much has changed from him as a receiver from last year to this year it's pretty telling when you have two top 12 receivers in, in the last class saying this guy is better than him. And yet he's, you know, still three to two to one, three to one on books to be the first receiver taken um, on DraftKings. He's two to one, but I think you can find him two uh, plus two fifty or three to one on some offshores or maybe even FanDuel. So I, I really like Smith and Najigba to be the first receiver taken. And, you know, um, I, I think he's a, uh, he tested very well in, in terms of his like short area stuff as well. Yeah, he looks super smooth in all the drills and everything, which does matter. Like, you know, obviously we, we take away with the, the numbers from all the testing and all that, but just looked polished and clean and ran. I mean, like it's what he was doing in college. Also, real quick to shout out the Discord again. It's not always us three putting stuff in there and everyone else to go bet. We also get alerted things to us that we either maybe like and said, yeah, go bet that. Arjun, I want to say, I know the Jaguars one may have been in there, which we'll get to in a second. Was that also where the Christian Gonzalez prop was originally posted? Was the Discord and you saw it? I I heard about the Gonzalez one from someone else, um, but I yeah when I when I bet it, it it was eventually like minus one thirty five, so I didn't throw it in there. But that has kind of flown also to Gonzalez's side, and now his like implied probability is almost in like the sixty six sixty seven percent range. 
Yeah, he's minus 265 on DraftKings, which, uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you for alerting me to that. But anyway, we're always throwing things in there. And also, it's it's a wisdom of the crowds. Like everyone's throwing it in there. But uh, my favorite, I mentioned it earlier, but it's just kind of fading the noise a little bit and getting Will Levis now 2-1 to one to go ahead of Anthony Richardson. Look, he might go super, super high. Maybe the first quarterback drafted. I get all that. Teams do bet on the upside, bet on all the potential of what the guy could be. But that's kind of how we talked about Levis until like two weeks ago, a week ago, as a guy who, you know, had some things to clean up in his game a little bit, but a good athlete, kind of a runner at Penn State that, that still ran a little bit in Kentucky. He sat at his podium. He ran less this year in part because of injury. Um, but nevertheless, like, I think Richardson is a is a sure thing top 10 pick now. But, you know, we're just kind of, I think we're just kind of overreacting to a week of testing. Let's go to that Jacksonville um, comment because uh, division odds are out and um, some interesting ones here. So I'm not going to go over them uh, kind of all because it'll take up way too much time. Um, But uh, maybe we kind of just start with the AFC South because we talked about that a lot when we were before these were released and we're kind of talking about what we were sort of expecting to see. And (laughs) we were pretty wrong about the the Jaguars line. I think we had it in the 200 to 250 range. It is minus 145. Uh, This is on FanDuel. Jaguars minus 145, Titans plus 280, Colts plus 650, and the Texans plus 850. I'll just say this. I did bet a little bit on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't like to tie up a ton of money in division futures, but I put my money where my mouth was, and I I still feel like that's that's right. what did you I, did you guys bet on this? Like, how are you guys feeling about this? Something that maybe the market is is seeing that we are not. Yeah, I so I missed the initial train, and thankfully the disc. I mean, the Discord like let me know that uh, the odds were out, and I missed when it was minus one twenty on Fanduel. If it was, you know, if I was able to get a minus one twenty, that would have been a, a big hammer. But obviously, that went to minus one forty five. DraftKings opened at minus 130. It's now minus 140. Um, so I haven't bet it yet just because, like you said, George, I don't really want to tie up uh, money on futures. Maybe that's something, you know, I'll change my mind about after this podcast. But to me, it's just like I don't really see a way that the Jaguars lose the division unless Trevor Lawrence, you know, gets injured for an extended amount of time. The Titans, Colts and Texans all might have new quarterbacks starting for them in 2023 the the Jags are going to be one of the few teams if any team that has a head coach quarterback continuity from 2022 and again like they're not going to have a ton of money to spend at all like they're probably going to spend all the free agency just retaining their own guys but you add Calvin Ridley to what was already a top 10 offense I mean like I don't see any I mean obviously there's a way that the Jaguars lose the division but I just I, I don't really see that happening unless against again Lawrence gets hurt, which you know would be unfortunate. But yeah, I'd probably be betting Jaguars at this point. Yeah, Arjun, you threw it in Slack. It was minus one thirty on DraftKings, and I'm not saying there's a lot. There was a lot in my account, but my entire account was emptied on Jaguars minus one thirty. I, I just don't. I really don't see it. I think it's almost the Titans getting respect for are they going to pull a move and go get Aaron Rodgers or something or, or go get some upgrade at quarterback. Uh, I see Georgia kind of raising her. You know, apparently him and Vrabel are boys. They're, that 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 is some storyline narrative that's kind of out there in the ethos. Um, hmm. I'm not saying I buy it or it's legitimate or anything, but like for me, their their odds are really just, oh, Mike Vrabel's a great coach. Like, yeah, sure. But I, I mean, they're probably going to cut Bud Dupree like, they got to figure out Jeffrey Simmons. They got they their entire offensive line. They literally, like, as of today, have zero quality stars in the offensive line. Um, it's just so even if he does go there, it's like, okay, then, like, 
he's throwing to Traylon Burks and and our guy Chigakonkwo, but like there's just nothing there talent wise. Um, so yeah, I, I think the the Jaguar, like I said, I mean, I I definitely put my money where my mouth was. I, I had to jump on it right away. Jeffrey Simmons deleted all Titans content and took the Titans out of his bio on Instagram. It's about so that time. Think, yeah, th- things are going really well for the Titans right now. Um, their offense was horrific last year. I mean, it was just really, really bad. <laughs> the only thing we can underscore, like how good A.J. Brown is and how like not A.J. Brown, Traylon Burks is. Um, you mentioned the offensive line. Ryan Tannehill is not a guy that you want just sitting back there kind of, you know, Patrick Mahomesing his way around a bad offensive line. Like, that's not how that works. Um, I know Derrick Henry is an absolute house, but like, you know, he's just not going to be the Derrick Henry of old forever. Um, and the point around, you know, the Colts and Texans, like, yeah, I, I, this one is very surprising to me. The Titans connection with Rodgers is interesting, though, um, because, you know, you have the LaFleur connection also to, uh, you know, Tennessee, which I think is interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, but like, why would Rodgers ever want to go to the Titans? He owns property there already. Um, so, so, you know. No, I know. I'm just saying, why would he ever go there? I mean, he goes, he chooses to go there as a, a, you know, uh, in his free time. Hey, hey, it's not Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, so uh, only way to go is up, but hey, no, no state income tax. If I remember from my minimum wage paychecks back in college anyway. So uh, I just, I've seen that float around. I don't get why the odds are as short as they are. It's all Vrabel. It's a bad, bad roster right now. Um, the only teams with, uh, more confidence from the market in terms of winning their division, it should be noted, are the Kansas City Chiefs. They're minus 155, as are the San Francisco 49ers, who are almost who are also minus 155. Um, the Bills are, are plus 100. Um, the Bengals are plus 135. Um, the Eagles are plus 105. The Lions are plus 145. And the Carolina Panthers, this is just absolutely hilarious. The NFC South is so terrible. Um, a, a team picking in the top 10, uh, out of their own volition because of how bad they were is the uh, favorite to win the NFC South and that's the Carolina Panthers. Um, okay. So let's, let's go around here. What were some of the ones aside from the Jaguars that stuck out um, that you think are values um, that, you know, that uh, you would either bet or say are kind of the most off in terms of where the market is at. Yes. Yeah, so I'll here. jump in um, uh, or so- Brad. Oh, you said Argent? My bad. Forget what I would. No, 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 Brad. It's all you. I didn't hear the Argent. I didn't hear you call him AJ. The floor is yours. Nickname in there? I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. No, no, please, please, AJ Argent, please take the floor. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so there there were a couple that I kind of had my eye on. Um, One would be the, and we're probably going to hate this, the Cleveland Browns. They were four to one. But again, it's just if, if Deshaun bounces back, you know, Jim Schwartz is going to have this defense playing much better. A lot of the things I heard about the Browns at the combine was just bad communication. Just they were, you know, in, in good spots and coverage. Like they, they just struggled. They didn't have a middle linebacker to kind of relay the the calls. I think having that continuity will will help a lot. It does sound like they're going to revamp that defensive line. So, again, if, if everything comes together, they'll probably add another receiver at some point to supplement Amari Cooper. I think they're better. You know, they have better odds. Uh, I mean, the odds are more favorable for them than the Ravens, who might not have Lamar Jackson on their roster. The Browns have always kind of given the Bengals fits, especially when playing in Cleveland. So, you know, that kind of battle for the division or the tiebreaker could swing either way. 
So I think if it all comes together, the Browns at like four to one uh, would probably probably be a, kind of a long shot bet I would take right now if you're trying to tie up money but not bet um, some of the uh, teams at minus odds. Yeah, I like that one. That was that was second on my list. I think there are a lot of reasons to kind of sell yourself on a bounce back for them. And you can take this either way, but there's a ton of pressure. This is a make the playoffs or, you know, new head coach, new GM, probably. Uh, maybe not a guarantee if they're like a competitive team. And again, you could take that as a bad thing because they're playing tight or a good thing because they're motivated. Um, but I do think that is the case. So my favorite was Seattle Seahawks plus 550 on DraftKings. That's why I wanted to go first, George. That's why, that's why I wanted to jump in. I knew it was going to be a hot ticket. Now you know why yeah, fighting for the mic. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, we probably talked about this before, but I mean, starting two rookie tackles, two rookie corners, they're going to improve with obviously, you know, two with the two top 20 picks and they have five and 20 um, and the Broncos second as well, if I'm not mistaken. So a ton of, you know, premium assets to add to this team. They're top five in cap space right now. Um, and it's, you know, it's clean. It's not like they could create more room if they wanted, um, add more and more talent to this defense. So, and again, you know, it's not like it's getting back a quarterback or anything, but you know, Jamal Adams didn't play last year. He's still something um, to bring back into the fall. And I was just waiting for George to, to laugh at that one too, but yeah, they're getting hey, a pass rusher back. It's that's important. Getting, right. Exactly. They, they struggled off the edge all year. You get Jamal Adams back to get those five or six spots back. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's just them behind the Rams was like a, a tick to me. Like the Rams are not even trying to compete right now. Look, not only is Jalen Ramsey a hot, hot thing you heard. I heard this all week. And then I just saw Jeremy Fowler just put it out. They want to move on from Allen Robinson. If they can, they want to move on from anyone they can. That's worth a lot of money and just start fresh. Obviously we have Bobby Wagner, who I know is not, not the Bobby Wagner of old, but he's now you know parted ways. Like they're not even trying to be a contender next year in, in some ways. I'm sure they'll you know, turn around and trade four first for Brian Burns or something. But anyway, um, Seattle plus 550, I think, is a great value right now. Yeah, that was going to be the one I was bringing up next. And I had a feeling someone would bring it up before me. But I, it is really, really interesting. So the, the Niners minus 155 on FanDuel. The, the Rams being plus 250 and the Seahawks being 5-1, to one, you know, it is really bananas to me. And um, you think about the paths by which the Seahawks could – be a legit team next year. I think one is, you know, they keep uh, Gino because of potentially maybe the the way the market is shaping up because of what the rookie class looks like, because of what some of the other um, free agents that are out there, you know, maybe you get him back on a really good deal and then you go out and you fill out your roster more. Like they're a pretty rookie laden team. If you get a guy at quarterback that's not making $45 million a year, like that matters in terms of what you can fill out your roster with. And the NFC, here's the thing. Pete Carroll is not getting younger. Okay. He's not here like to just rebuild forever. And the NFC sucks. They're 30 to one to win the NFC. Like the NFC is very, very bad. Um, and you have the Niners who are, I think the, the favorite uh, right now, they have, no, you have no idea who's going to be the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. It could be Mr. Relevant. It could be Trey Lance, whose highlight thus far is a um, John Morant-esque video from a strip club. So like, I, you know, that's bananas. And then you have a, an Eagles team who looks very, very good. Jalen Hurts was amazing, but they played a remarkably easy schedule last year. They're not going to get that benefit uh, of the doubt. They play in a very tough division in the NFC East. So I think there are a lot of different pathways for the Seahawks. It pains me to say this as a Niners fan, but I, I too really like them at, at five to one. Also very funny that the Arizona Cardinals are 24 to one to win their own division. Like, 
The Bears are plus 450. Um, <laughs> the Commanders are 10 to 1. The Raiders are 13 to 1. Like this, the Arizona Cardinals are a comedy show. Um, let, okay, so let me throw out, um, I was going to bring up the Seahawks, but you beat me to it, Brad. I'll throw this one out here. Everyone loves the Detroit Lions. I love the Detroit Lions too. They're plus 145. Packers are 3 to 1. The Vikings are 3 to 1. The Bears are plus 450. The Vikings have potentially the best quarterback and the best receiver and a top, you know, offensive coach. There's some good coaches in this, in this uh, division, they're the best quarterback and potentially the best receiver uh, will have the best receiver um, in the division. And they're three to one. I think we're over, um, you know, the hatred from last season where they had negative point differential and we're 11 and two or whatever it was um, is carrying over into this year. I think a little bit too much. I think that division should be a little more tightly bunched. I think we have to remember that the Detroit Lions want like hung eight, they're hanging a banner for a meaningless game right now. So let's not give them the division here. I think this should be a little more bunched. I think the Vikings, um, you know, depending on what happens with Packers, like those three teams, if Aaron Rodgers comes back, are all right there. Um, but the Vikings have the most certainty, I, I think, right now uh, of all those teams. So I like them at three to one. And Brad, the respect that your Bears are getting at plus four fifty is uh, is impressive. You should be happy about that. They must think they're about to have the off season to end all off seasons. But I'll just jump on the Vikings. They also might have the best tackle tandem in the NFC North. They might have the best edge rushing duo in the NFC North. Like there are a lot of holes in this roster, but there are a lot of holes in every roster in that division. Um, and their defense is going to be bad, but it was terrible this year and it didn't matter. So um, yeah, I, I like that one. And yeah, the Bears. If you're betting, if you're betting the Bears uh, right now, plus four fifty, you know, God love you. Yeah, at the top of the market. Um, any others uh, from you guys, Arjun or Brad? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of like the Dolphins actually. At, uh, I think they were four to one at some point, mm-hmm. or around four to one. Again, I, I think one of my rules of thumb heading into this year, I want to bet on good coaching staffs. Um, obviously, the roster matters, but I think good coaches can carry a a team far. Um, and I think the Dolphins have that. I mean, McDaniel and Fangio might be the best play calling duo in the league. I mean, I think last year I would have said Kyle Shanahan and Zemiko Ryans, but this year, I mean, McDaniel and, and uh, Vic Fangio, I mean, Fangio's just transformed the league. So he's seen enough ball. He's played, he's been in various stops throughout the league. He knows how to defend guys like Josh Allen and um, you know, whoever else will be starting for the rest of the teams in that division. And again, the, the Dolphins when Tua was healthy was a, a top five offense, uh, whether, you know, just the mix of play calling and, and receivers and yeah, I think, I think the dolphins at that point at that long odds are, would probably be another long shot I'd be looking at. And I think even if the jets trade for Aaron Rodgers, it's going to take away like assets that they can use to improve their roster. You know, obviously Rodgers is going to count against their cap in 2023. So it kind of limits what they can do in free agency. And I think, uh, Fangio going for more of a man heavy to zone heavy scheme will kind of like put a, a a, like a ceiling on how many points the dolphins are going to allow. And we know how good their offense is when everyone's healthy. So I don't mm-hmm. think they'll be in many shootouts again, where it comes down to like Tua making a play in the fourth quarter late in the season. And he kind of struggles. You know, it's interesting. Real quick, go ahead. I was just going to bring this up. The, the dolphins last year on April 1st were four to one to win the division. They were four to one all the way through until kickoff. Uh, and they closed at plus four seventy five. So and the bills, by the way, close at minus 225. So there is a lot of a lot of concentration of these odds on the New York Jets, who, to your point, 
there is a huge question mark there. I mean, the idea that they're just going to be really good with Derek Carr, even, I, I think is a bit of, um, you know, a stretch. And I was going to ask you, Brad, like, to me, I, it, it really feels like Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, like just has no legs. And he might be going to a different AFC East team in those Miami Dolphins. Like there, there are, there's some buzz there. It was interesting. We, I, I heard a couple things um, during the week. One thing I heard was basically just like Stephen Ross is 85 and like, don't underestimate that in its, in itself. Hmm. And then it came out as I'm like getting on the plane to go home. Josina Anderson put out Miami is exploring all options, including maybe not keeping to attack of Iloa. I think now we're going to see what something interesting, which is after the rookie quarterback's third year, it's obviously that fifth-year option decision, but now with that money fully guaranteed the day you exercise it, it basically becomes, you know, you're making a really, really big decision, whereas in the past, you could exercise it and get out of it as long as guy didn't get hurt. So, yes, I, I think that, I mean, there was a report earlier tonight about Derek Carr likes the Jets. They're his favorite potential landing spot, and if the Jets play game there, maybe it's because they also realize Aaron Rodgers wants to go elsewhere. So, um, yeah, I think Miami is going to continue to make big moves, take uh, take swings, because I think Stephen Ross just wants to win before you know before his time on earth is over. I like that. I had not heard the the Rodgers Miami one, but yeah, I like them as well at Ford One. We're going to get Arjun to tie up some of his um, his student his on campus earnings uh, up in some <laughs> some division futures here by the end of this. Um, Brad, what else do you got for us? Anything else? Yeah, see, I'm glad I jumped him because because Dolphins by the one. The one other one I like yeah. is just, you know, and it kind of goes against the car thing I just said, I suppose. But um, I would say Saints 220. Like you mentioned, the fact the Panthers are the favorite in that division. Look, the Bucks are awful. Atlanta, if they don't make a huge swing and get a Lamar Jackson or whatever, you know, they're going to be Atlanta. I like Arthur Smith. I think they could, you know, make some free agency moves. But are they really going to be a contender? Um, no. And then, yeah, you just kind of bet on the Saints. If they do get Derek Carr, you better them, you know, over two to one to just go with nine and eight and win that division. I think it's a solid bet. It's interesting. The Panthers being favored here, I think, is a complete and utter joke with the lone exception that I do think Frank Reich deserves some some reverence. And sure. I think the way that he was treated and spit out and I think Frank Reich is a really, really, really good coach. Um, as long as he doesn't bring Carson Wentz over to Carolina, like I think, you know, things can be can be decent there. But I I, I would agree with you. I mean, the Saints are the better uh, the better roster there, and they are the ones that I think you can count on to figure it out from a cap perspective, to figure it out with a quarterback, to take advantage of you know the players that they still have there, um, of which they do. And I think Carolina maybe with a few uh, less options there. Um, all right, that is the division. Uh, futures thus far. Um, I could not convince either of you to wake up early enough to watch F1, but many members of the printing press go in the discord. You guys can, uh, can check it out yourself. We're, um, we're enjoying formula one and the start of uh, that season this morning. I have bad news though. I, you know, and you guys don't really care, but I'm just going to let you know forewarning here, my streak of betting on Ferrari and Ferrari absolutely shitting themselves is continuing guys that's trans that's crossing so the vikings maybe this is bad for me okay, from a betting perspective because i bet on ferrari all last year in every single situation where i had Charles leclerc winning the bet his power unit would just go into flames or they would totally you know mess up the strategy and again this week his 
power unit, his engine just combusts and he, he has to stop the race. So maybe this is bad uh, mojo for me that the Vikings are again going to be, um, you know, terrible uh, from a point differential perspective. But uh, it looks like Red Bull truly the class and like no one can catch them. They had like just not even I don't think they broke a sweat uh, this entire weekend um, and coasted. Uh, won by over 10 seconds, which was a bummer because guys, I had two to one on the winning margin being between five and 10 seconds. Oh, wow. And I felt really good about it because uh, Leclerc was in second. He was kind of keeping the pressure on, um, thought he was going to keep between five and 10. So his power unit goes out. And with it, my chances of him finishing in the podium and that five, 10 seconds. So um, it wasn't a, a great start for me. I did hit Lance Stroll plus 240 to finish in the top six. Um, so that was solid. So I, I welcome you guys. You guys will figure it out next week. Um, you guys will get it together uh, and we'll be rolling on the F1 train. Um, so those that's my that's my F1 update. Do you guys have, uh, is there a golf update for us yet, Brad? I'm just real. I'm just looking at Verstappen and Sergio Perez at Red Bull. We're just, <laughs> I mean, lapping the entire field. Like no one was even close. Yeah, it wasn't even close. It was, uh, it was a complete. John Rahm, who was in elite form, like incredible form, kind of sputtered out today a little bit. Um, I, I, I have some for the next tournament. We'll, we'll get midweek. I, I have some thoughts for sure. Um, we'll have some plays coming to you on Wednesday. Yeah, I like it. Um, Arjun, any updates on the on the basketball um, betting world for us? Yeah, I might after today's inspirational performance by my Los Angeles Lakers, I might be putting next month's utility bill on <laughs> on the Lakers to win the championship. You know, yes. we, very inspirational performance at home. Um, there were two things last year that made me a lot of money, and that was fading the Lakers and betting on the Warriors third quarter spread. And unfortunately, to, and today I had the opportunity to do both. Of course, I had to take advantage of it. And mm. uh, the Lakers, unfortunately, ended those hit chances. So, um, yeah. but yeah, that, know, that was obviously you, a joke. Not meant, not much of a update in terms of, in terms of futures for basketball. You don't want to mess with this Lakers team. Okay. They've got LeBron wearing a boot on the sideline. You know how inspirational that is. Um, he doesn't wear a boot anywhere else, but the sideline. So there's two times he wears boots on the sideline. And then at home when he's recording an Instagram and he's got to take a picture, he puts the boot on real quick. Then takes it off. They put some Kendrick Lamar on. He's dancing all around the house. So it's uh, he's got that game plan on lock. This Lakers team, not to be messed with. They are they are a powerhouse, um, absolute unit. I did. I uh, will note. Pay close attention to the Suns with KD back, and update on how I'm feeling about my champions futures uh, bets. So I have the Chiefs that that hit that first leg. I have the Suns. To win, I need Max Homa to get himself ready to go. Stop doing so many podcasts. Be ready for the U.S. Open. Uh, but I like how the Suns look. I do like how the Suns look. Feeling good about it. All right, that was our podcast. Uh, go to pff.com and get all of the updates that you need for free agency, which is fast approaching. Brad's got this thing on lockdown. Uh, he and Arjun putting out some great content. Uh, the free agency rankings tool with updated salary cap projections. Uh, there will be a new version of the PFF Big Board out probably by the time you are listening to this as well on pff.com. Mike is working very, very hard to update that. And of course, a new edition of the draft guide coming soon as well. So head to pff.com, use promo code forecast, F-R-E-C-A-S-T, get 20% off uh, and get yourself set up for the entire football season, draft, free agency, off season. And then of course, from kickoff all the way through the playoffs with PFF. Fellas, appreciate you. Printing press, love you all. Peace.